0: You know what? This is fun. Let's let's do this. It's so awesome. I love it. Welcome to The Fan and The Furious presents The Butler Did It. We're a podcast about the filmographies of actors who haven't gotten the deep dive we think they deserve. And this season, we're talking about the great Gerard Butler. I'm Steve and this is my co-host Emily. Oh. How you doing, friend?
1: I am doing okay.
0: Are you just you feeling emotional?
1: I watched a pretty decent little movie.
0: Boy, did I not think I was going to like this movie as much as I did.
1: Well, yes, because the premise of this movie is horrifying. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing that they managed to make this into a good movie where I like everybody and think it's actually genuinely sweet.
0: Today we're talking about Dear Frankie, a movie that was filmed and released in the UK before Phantom, but came out in the U.S., after phantom and if the press tour is to be believed phantom hung over this thing like the specter of jacob Marley.
1: <laughs> well look if you were doing a what is supposed to be blockbuster shoemaker musical one of the most famous musicals of all time if not the most famous musical of all time and it bombs terribly that's that's gonna be what people talk about rather than this kind of sweet little family drama.
0: Yeah. Cause this came out in the US two months after Phantom. That's
1: unfortunate. Because this was pretty well regarded in the UK. Like it got a couple of Scottish BAFTAs and people seem to genuinely like it. It has good reviews because it's a good little movie.
0: Yeah. It's a it it is like It is the kind of movie that we don't really get anymore, which is just like a quiet little drama that's good, but like you're not going to make it your favorite movie of all time.
1: No, there's nothing particularly flashy about it or I don't know, but it's I enjoyed watching it. I'm glad that I saw this movie.
0: Me too. So let's talk a little bit about the press around it and then we'll get into the movie itself. Okay. Because I watched a few interviews. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you watch that one fully that I sent you? Yes. I thought that was a really good interview from an interviewer who really knew her shit about Jerry. Yeah. So he did this interview that opens with he hears that the interviewer's name is Bonnie. And he doesn't know she's on the line. And he just starts singing her name because he's like, that's a really nice name.
1: Yeah, he's doing this little like Scottish folk song or whatever.
0: And then he's terribly embarrassed when he realizes she's on the phone.
1: It's very cute.
0: What makes me love Jerry all the more is his hot mic that he gets caught as is him just being a little dork.
1: Yeah. Not him being a creep or saying anything racist or gross. It's just him being a cute little guy who's singing a song. And then it's like, oh, no, people can hear me.
0: I love this man more and more with every passing film. Look,
1: he is great.
0: I am so glad we're not going to turn on Jerry. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Look, we've already seen the worst of them. We know what we're at with the worst of the Jerry, like, morally abhorrent films are. Yeah, that's true. You know, this movie revolves around, we'll, we'll talk in a bit around an absent father, and... This interviewer asks, explain, you know, talks to Jerry about how his dad wasn't in his life and that she wondered if it came into the performance. And Jerry reveals that his dad, like, stopped being in his life when he was a kid and he didn't know if he was dead or whatever because his dad was in Canada. And then he just showed up when he was 16.
1: Yeah, that's something I hadn't, that's a story I hadn't heard about him before. But I can see. Th- how you would play that into this movie?
0: And I do think that that kind of wa- you know works into his performance. Mm-hmm. And then she asked him about the Gerard Butler gals, who I will admit I get quite a bit of content from them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he is, he is so gracious and charming, and he's making jokes about how these ladies come from all over the world to see him and whatever. And he's just so like he makes a couple of jokes, but he's so like, I can't believe they raised money for tsunami relief. And they're so wonderful. And I love my fans. And he just seems genuinely touched. And it's fucking adorable.
1: Well, yeah, because he mentions they raised like 25 grand like that is a significant chunk of change.
0: And I I like the way that he phrases that he's like, they all send him Valentine's. And then instead they decided to give to charity. And he's just really happy that that's some good he can like put into the world. Yeah. It was a charming little interview. And he originally passed on this movie because he thought it was just going to be like corny, whatever. And a friend of his who was a casting director told him to reconsider it. And when he read it again, he loved it. And then when the interviewer asks him, well, why did you turn it down the first time? Jerry goes, because I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And he clearly had a really personal stake in this movie because I watched Shudder, an interview with Ellen. Mm. One of the, it appears to be two times he's been on Ellen. Okay. And this one did not go well. So he tries, they play Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand and he comes dancing onto the stage and he's like, hey, having a good time. And he's like joking with Ellen and, you know, like she goes to kiss him on a the cheek and then he does a second kiss and he's like, I didn't know what was happening here. I thought you were going in to snog me. <laughs> and she's like, why would you think that? He's like, I don't know, I'm from Europe, we're all horny. <laughs> like, and, and he's just being like a dork, you know, trying to like, cause he's embarrassed that he just, you know, did this awkward intro. And then Ellen says to him, oh, this seems to be a very sweet movie. And Jerry goes, I know what you're saying when you say sweet. Because she said it in such a condescending way, like it was garbage. And he was clearly unhappy. Oh, wow. And then he proceeds to like, really, I think, passionately, it's, you know, like two minutes, but like. No, do not write this movie off. I understand why you would write this movie off, and he clearly was just like really wanting people to get it. He's clearly really proud of this movie,
1: and and I can I can see why. And like, look, this is one I think we were both when we read the premise for it we were like dreading watching,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then it's it's a nice movie, yeah, and it made me happy, and it also made me cry.
0: Which is what Jerry said in all the interviews. He said, you're going to cry while you're watching it, but you're going to walk out with a big smile on your face. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt about Dear Frankie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Jerry, appears, only went back to Ellen one more time. So I wonder if that one went exceptionally bad.
1: Maybe. Do you know what the other movie he went back for?
0: I, it was only a couple of years later, so I'm not sure. Oh, okay. But the other thing in this terrible interview is she goes, so you're from Scotland, is her first question.
1: That's a great conversation starter.
0: (laughs) He responds by doing an American accent and going, actually, surprise, I'm from Southern California. I've been lying to all of you. (laughs) (sighs) It was just, it was so awkward. And Jerry was trying so hard. And Ellen's being Ellen.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a terrible, that's not an interview question. That's not an anything question.
0: So you're from Scotland.
1: Like where do you expect that to go?
0: I know the the whole interview is like three minutes. It was rough. Yeah.
1: The other thing from from the interview you sent me is apparently his passion project that he was working on for years was a Robert Burns biopic, and I'm real. It sounded at the time like it was like really gearing up to yeah. go like he was doing it and then it just one of those things that never manifested and that makes me sad because i think that'd be really cool
0: i think that would be a good flick and i wonder i think we're gonna have to do some more research because i wonder what happened there
1: like when i was looking it up like the last thing i saw was from the mid like teens and it seems like he's still like he still wants to get it done but he's like i'm too i'm too old now so i don't know it's a shame
0: well, boy, Jerry is the opposite of Vin, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We got we got Vin Diesel out here lying about a Hannibal the Conqueror movie. He's fifty years old, thinking he could play twenty. Yeah. And, and Jerry's just like, "I'm too old." Sorry.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. That would have been that have been an interesting one. That would have been a nice little like Emily period drama.
0: Yep, I would I I would have been into it. Yeah. So I think. You know, something we're kind of learning about Jerry is that I think he's really honest about his career and where he's at and like what he he's not putting himself in roles that he thinks would be uh, stupid for him. Right. And that is a level of self-awareness you do not get in Hollywood a lot.
1: No, especially not from somebody who has done the super big action
0: roles. Mm -hmm. And he's so, you know, he's so gracious towards his castmates and his directors and he really spends a lot of time just talking about them and how great they are
1: he seems like he would be a really good dude to work with
0: yeah i'd love to work with jerry so if you remember we're gonna have to have diddy get chris gethard (laughs) so chris gethard can get jerry so we can talk yes remember to continue to tweet at chris gethard to get him on the show (laughs)
1: He is, after all, famously the world's (laughs) biggest Rob Butler fan.
0: I feel like you would appreciate this bit. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, uh, anyway, back to Dear Frankie. So I know you said it was like sweet, but what are any other initial thoughts you got about Dear Frankie?
1: The cast is really good. It is sweet. It is sweet. But what it is not is saccharine. It is, it is a movie with actual, like, real heart to it. And, I mean, the cast is just so good. Including the little kid who, I mean, he's not that old, he's like nine. But, like, that's the thing I was most worried about. It's when this movie started and we're getting child narration. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to hate this fucking movie. Because that's not a thing that I enjoy in my movies. But this, this kid playing Frankie's great
0: yeah everybody everybody's excellent in this movie i don't think there's a weak link
1: I, I'm, I mean emily mortimer's wonderful the who is the actress playing the grandmother she looked really familiar to me but i believe the yeah the actress's name is mary riggins yeah and i like i like marie the like shop owner i liked everybody
0: so why don't why don't you walk us through the 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 basic because there's not much plot here
1: No, there's not. Um, We are meeting Frankie and his mother, whose name is...
0: Mama Frankie. (laughs) Sure. Lizzie.
1: Lizzie and her mother, they are moving. Apparently, this is something they do a lot. Um, Frankie is deaf, and he just seems like a good kid. Mm-hmm. and his mom, you know, obviously, she is struggling somewhat, and they're moving to Scotland, and we find out that she has been faking letters from Frankie's father to Frankie so that Frankie can have a relationship with his dad, and she's told him that he works on a boat, and that's why he's gone all the time, and then, unfortunately, wouldn't you know it, there is a boat that's docking in this town that happens to be the name that she didn't realize was of a real boat. And now she doesn't know what to do. So she hires Gerard Butler to pretend to be Frankie's father for the day.
0: And um, the reason they keep moving is because uh, Frankie's dad was abusive to both of them. And Frankie's deaf because his father her beat him when he was very little.
1: Yeah, and that, like... Frankie doesn't remember that at all, and it takes a while like first, we don't know what the situation is with like why why the marriage broke up.
0: We find out, I think pretty quickly because um the grandma keeps checking the newspaper every day and keeps seeing uh, missing persons' ads put in for the family and the husband looking for Lizzie, which is bone chilling. It's not great, but I think this movie dips into two things that could have gone terribly awry in a movie like this and one is the abusive husband plot and the other is this mom lying to her kid yeah and i think i think both of those well uh, the the mom lying to the kid arc i think it doesn't hit as poorly because one, from the beginning, the grandma's like, you need to stop doing this. This is wrong. And the movie calls out that it's wrong. And Lizzie says, I don't know what else to do.
1: Yes, she is obviously like, this is something she realizes is fucked up. But she's sort of gotten herself in this mess now because how do you stop doing it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why you don't get, like, major, like, creep, like, this is not okay vibes, is because the movie calls it out. Yeah. And the other reason I think it lands well is that at the end of the movie, we learn that Frankie knew.
1: Mm-hmm. This movie is also, I was expecting it more to be, like, a wacky comedy, and it's not that at all. Like, there's some funny little moments, but that it's not what that movie is.
0: No, and I, I it's better for it. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a quiet character drama.
1: The other thing that I like is from Jump, when Jerry comes in, which is pretty far into this movie, it is not, oh, he's some jerk who has to be won over by the sweet kid. Like, he is, like, won over by him, but he goes into it already. Like, he's not, look, he's doing this for some money and, like probably is a favor to his sister but it's not like he's some scumbag who you know is won over by the pureness of frankie's heart or anything like that
0: yeah it dodges a lot of those things that you and i both assumed were going to be in this movie Mm -hmm. because the ma lizzie gives uh jerry who doesn't have a name he's just called the stranger um you know all of frankie's letters that he had mailed to his dad and goes, here they are, you know, just so he can breeze through them. And what she doesn't realize is that he read all of them thoroughly and, like, learned all the stuff about Frankie. And he found an old letter from Frankie where he asked about this book. So he goes out and buys the book for him.
1: Yeah, because Frankie's really into, like, ocean life. Uh, and that, you know, because the dad on the boat and that just uh, it's very sweet. So he brings him. Yeah. When he brings him this book, it's just adorable.
0: And then we we get this, like, really It's really quiet montage of their day together. And you buy it. Like you buy that this is a guy trying his best to make this kid happy. And I cried.
1: And it's not any flashy stuff. It's things like they're going for fish and chips and they're skipping. He's teaching them how to skip stones. And Mm -hmm. I, I like that they went with all of these very, quiet, nice, like something you just do like a kid would just do on a normal afternoon like with their dad.
0: Yeah. And the whole time Lizzie's following them to make sure he's not like a creeper which, fair enough. Yeah. And thankfully they they bake in that he knows Marie who's the mom's, who becomes, you know, the mom's best friend and, you know, thankfully they put into the plot that like, she knows him so he's cool. It's alright. Yeah. Yeah. This There's a scene that really got to me where they're in an aquarium and they're looking at seahorses and Frankie's just like tracing his finger around the shape of the seahorse on the glass and watching it. And you watch Jerry watch this kid and you in this really quiet, beautiful kind of physical performance from Gerard Butler, you see him in just like a couple of looks go from like, I feel so bad for this kid. I see what he's gone through, but boy, is he a great kid. Yeah and he does it without saying a goddamn word.
1: It's it's really well done. It's really restrained both from a writing standpoint and an acting standpoint.
0: We find out at the you know, at the end Jerry goes to drop Frankie off and he says, "Well, I'm going to be here one more day, you know, can I see him again tomorrow?" And I don't know about you, but I started to get the vibe that like Jerry was a guy who didn't get to have a normal family life because he's always kind of traveling around and that he kind of liked being able to pretend that he had a family too.
1: I think so. He seemed to, I mean, it was his idea to see the kid again. He is fighting for that because Lizzie's like, uh, no, we had a deal. Get away from my kid. But.
0: Yeah, and. He says to her, like, "Oh, you know, you two will go together. Like, the three of us will go together. You know, come meet me down here. I have to do some business. You know." And they go down to the boat where he said, "Um, you know, he was going to be." And we find out that the business is that Jerry paid the guy in the boat to let him stand on the boat and pretend he was a sailor.
1: Yeah. So then, when he when they go to meet him, he's coming down off the boat. It's it's really like it's just nice. It's such a thoughtful. Like, there was no reason he had to do that. He could have met them in town.
0: I started bawling at that moment. <laughs> Dad stuff always gets to me. Mm-hmm. So when you see this guy, like, doing this thing that was completely unnecessary. Because, it, because in the day before, he asks him, like, hey, do you want to go on the boat? You know, it's up to you. And he's like, no, I don't want to go on the boat. So he's like, all right, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I was like,
1: and that's where you first, like, you really get the idea that Frankie knows what's going on. Is because when they go to the boat, like, because Lizzie is watching them, front, freaking terrified about what's going to happen here.
0: And also, like, while, while this is going on, there's this bully who I wish somebody kicked him in his fucking dick. I hate this guy. <laughs> ricky ricky fuck off ricky monroe i hope you die um and he's like (laughs) keeps betting frankie that his dad is not like you know you know his dad's not there he's not gonna come he doesn't want to see him and you know i bet you all all of your money and all of your toys like just all this shit and every turn where he starts he starts fucking with frankie jerry's just like got one up on him and it's kind of great
1: and when they when they go to this this um like pu- pub at the end of the night when cuz there's this girl who's been like the one girl in class is really nice to Frankie and befriends him and she's up there like playing music and uh Jerry is like you should you, there's this whole like you ask her to dance and all dance with your mom
0: and there's this cute thing cuz they also give Marie um some stuff to do. Where you get this moment earlier, where she's sitting with Frankie, just kind of getting to know him. And there's this part where she goes, "Oh, the DJ now. You guys should come in. The DJ now sucks." That's on now. But there's a great band going on after. And then you realize she's talking about her partner because she wants to support her partner's band. And I was just like, yeah. mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just. I think I just needed some niceness right now. And every time, very nice. Yeah, it's this is such a Steve movie. <laughs>
1: like from the beginning like when so when they first get to town and uh lizzie sends frankie to go get a fish and chips from marie's shop and i i was like really afraid there was going to be some like yelling at the deaf kid thing and there's not like she gets like marie gets right away what's going on and like listens to him and is like you know and i just i like that gives him extra chips and no fish because he's a vegetarian.
0: And th- there, there's one moment where him being deaf kind of comes into play in terms of somebody being shitty. Which is he goes to the library and this librarian keeps yelling at him. And then Frankie eventually realizes what's happening. And he like very like dramatically puts his hearing aid in. And then this woman's like, I'll get you any book. I'm so sorry. (laughs) And then he just walks out of the library with a huge pile of books and a big smirk on his face. Being like, I got at this fucking ableist.
1: (laughs) I liked that bit.
0: That was really funny. But they're at this dance hall and Ricky Monroe fucking God, I hope. That that guy's a fucking white nationalist now. Um, <laughs> he voted for Brexit, Ricky Monroe. Mm. Um, well, I mean,
1: not many people in Scotland did.
0: Yeah, but he was the one. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, I bet you want your mom and your dad won't dance together. And Jerry sees what's up and he's like, I got this. And you get this very sweet moment between Lizzie and Jerry where they're, they're dancing and it's uh, it's just really sweet. It's just these two people having this connection and I kind of love it. Yeah.
1: And again, they don't overdo it. They, they obviously are attracted to each other. They like each other, but that's, that's the end of it for right now because they're like actual human characters and so it doesn't become, oh, they're now instantly going to get married.
0: Mm-hmm. They're just having a moment. We find out that Frankie's dad is dying and he doesn't have much long, uh, much longer. And I get Frankie's aunt is like, please take him to go see his father. You know, he's changed. He feels better. And then Lizzie goes to the hospital alone. Cause she's a good mom.
1: Well, especially especially after she told him another guy was his father.
0: Yeah. Since he's in this bed dying, he just yells at her and we don't see any violence, which thank yeah. God. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, you're still a piece of shit.
1: Yeah, and he's like screaming that he needs to see his kid.
0: Calls her all sorts of names. Wasn't liking that.
1: Nope, nope, nope. Bad. Emily is really good in this movie.
0: She's so good. She gives such a good performance. She does so much with facial reactions. This movie is so physical. Mm-hmm. And I really respect it for that. And before um, Jerry says goodbye, like, you know, he says... um he He's like, oh, can I say goodbye to him? And because, you know, Frankie fell asleep and Frankie gives him this little seahorse he made.
1: That's when I started to cry. Because like he carved him a seahorse.
0: And I, I tweeted this out. Um, my note I have is just Jerry saying goodbye and then a crying emoji. <laughs> I didn't have many notes, but that was one of them because I cried at that. Yeah. And I think my favorite part of the movie is what comes here where Lizzie and Jerry are standing outside the apartment and you feel there's like a sexual tension between the two of them Mm -hmm. and they don't just like passionately kiss you they stand with it for a little while and you see the both of them like internally debating whether or not to kiss each other and it was really wonderful.
1: It was really nice I really enjoyed it
0: I think that was my favorite shot in the movie Because I think you feel Feel the tension between the two of them And they're both debating To themselves whether or not it's worth it And I think they both just want this moment of human Connection
1: Yeah and and it's sort of just like This delicate Thing and it's not like Oh all of a sudden like cutting To like torrid sex scene
0: Nope And then Jerry just leaves
1: I have to say, they have a lot of chemistry. Yep. I would definitely watch them in a romantic comedy.
0: Yep. It would rule.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm glad that isn't what this movie is, but I totally would have dug Mm -hmm. that.
0: And this is where you can see why people started putting him in these romantic leads for a while. Because I... He's good at it. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this before, that, like, Jerry... Is great at empathy and I think this movie weaponizes that (laughs) as much as it possibly could
1: yeah and that's why and we haven't we haven't done this movie yet it's sort of why the ugly truth doesn't work is because him doing like like he can be like the gross sort of guy but being like charming asshole is not his thing like he is genuinely like good guy charming he can't be like gross nagging woman roguish charming that's not his thing
0: not at all and even in his action roles like the you know the has fallen movies like he's like a a big old tough guy gruffy you know grumpy man But at its core, those movies are about a guy who deeply cares about what he's doing, and that's why he works. You cannot... Jerry can't play apathetic. He just can't do it.
1: No. He's not mean.
0: No. Not at all. Is that why I love Gerard Butler? Because he's nice?
1: It might be. I think that's probably a big part of it.
0: Have we cracked the code?
1: (laughs) It's a pretty simple code. Steve likes nice. Jerry equals nice. Therefore... (laughs) He's just somebody I never really thought about before, and I get like that's sort of like why we wanted to do him, but I never like I never like hated him. Like I was never like oh fuck that Jared Butler guy because that's a weird like he's a weird guy to hate. Yeah, but but he is somebody I think who you just sort of mostly like. I know he had like the huge breakout with three hundred, but he is a guy who you mostly just don't, don't think about.
0: And that's why, you know, when we we decided that the show was kind of going to be about actors who haven't gotten a deep dive, I think Jerry's kind of the perfect person to do that with.
1: Yeah, because he is a huge movie star who people never talk about.
0: Except for his like super devoted fans.
1: Yeah. And that again, like he he taught when he was talking about them in an interview. the, The thing about his fans is it is a it is not that there's so many of them. It's that they are very devoted.
0: I a hundred percent get it. He's hot. He's charming. He's kind. There's worse celebrities to be obsessed with.
1: Oh, absolutely! Like you could like be the people like d- d- searching Johnny Depp's name to defend him on Twitter.
0: Uh, and Ezra Miller has got the same. Yeah, I I get the obsession that people have with Jerry.
1: He is. Don't get me wrong. He is. A wildly attractive man, but he seems like a person in a way that a lot of celebrities don't.
0: Yeah, because I think he carries himself as such.
1: Yeah, he, I like he's not, it's not even like, like he's like falsely modest or anything. I think he just like when he's talking about his fans and stuff, I think he genuinely, to a large degree, He's grateful for it, but he really actually doesn't understand
0: it. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I 100% agree. You know, what we found out was he quit being a lawyer and his first interview was for Mrs. Brown. First interview. His first audition was for Mrs. Brown. And he was so grateful for that. And ever since he's kind of just kept working. And I think it's because he's probably great to work with. Yeah. And I've never seen an interview with him where he didn't, at least in passing, mention how great his co-stars were or how great the director was.
1: He's not a guy with a huge ego. He's willing to do all sorts of movies. He's, what, he's, He doesn't lie and say that he does all his own stunts and he doesn't have a thing in his contract where he has to win every fight. And,
0: and he'll make fun of movies that bomb.
1: Yeah. Like, the... the And we haven't even watched Phantom yet. And the number of times I've seen him, like, talk about the fact that nobody liked Phantom. And I think the other thing is, like, he's not mad about it. He's sad. Because he really, like, I think that's something he really wanted to do. Like, a big musical. Like, that's a wild thing for him to get offered. And I think it just kind of makes him sad that people didn't like it very much.
0: I have a theory And that it's, I think, having gone through all of this, like, interview watching and us talking about Jerry as much as we are. I think we're both going to walk away way more positive on that Phantom performance than we would have. Yeah. It's going to happen. You and I are going to be like, no, it's a good performance.
1: (laughs) It's just, it's really wrong for him. That is my, like, I've only seen clips of that movie because it's just notoriously bad, like across the board. Not that like, Joe, oh, it's it's good, but Jerry's terrible. It's just not, it's supposed to be not a good movie. And what I've seen, it's not. But, and it's not like we saw when he was singing at the at the beginning of the, the clip. It's not that he doesn't have a decent voice. Mm-hmm. But there is a decent voice when you're singing a little song by yourself. And there is a, I can be Phantom of the opera voice. Very different things. And also, again, that, that role is not nice. No. That role is like obsessive and gross. And that is not Jerry.
0: Yeah. He, he's just, he can't do cruel. And I think, and we'll, we're we going to watch this movie in quite a while, but Law Abiding Citizen, when he was kind of backed into a corner where he was going to play the bad guy, he was just like, Fuck. And he did it as a challenge because I think he knows he can't be a bad guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's going to be a mean movie I like. I just have a feeling I'm going to like that one. Oh, Jerry. We love him. We do. We're going to join Gerard Butler gals. Yeah. We're a couple of Gerard Butler gals. Oh, yeah.
1: I want him on the podcast so badly.
0: The Gerard Butler gals or Jerry?
1: No, Jerry. But No, I'd happily talk to some of the Gerard Butler gals, too. I think like it and not like talking about a particular movie, just like a, just like, a, be like, I, I want to know, like, because the other thing about that, what I like is, you know, when he's talking about raising 25 K that's because these girls don't uh, women. Sorry. And I'm sure there are men too, but I, it's mostly Gerard Butler gals. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like. Well,
0: that's what they, they're called. Be, oh just, yeah. just so anybody yeah. listening, it's a group that calls themselves Gerard Butler gals.
1: Yeah. They, they have formed a community Mm-hmm. And I like that. Me too. Cause they seem nice.
0: We found a nice fandom. Yeah. We did it. I mean, look, we haven't I haven't dug
1: that deeply, so I'm sure there's some bad stuff there. But
0: But I do think, you know, your fandom part can partially be what you put into it. Mm-hmm. And this man has no ego. You know what I mean? Yes. And nobody says, you know, You ruined my childhood by uh, not liking a Gerard Butler movie. (laughs) Yeah. No one's sending death threats over Olympus has fallen.
1: I hope not. What a movie to choose to send death threats over. I mean, not that you should send death threats over any movie, but I mean, come on.
0: But dear Frankie. Oh yeah. There's a scene where they do the Macarena. That was very fun. (laughs) It's cute. There's a generation of us who can do that dance, and remember doing it a billion times, and then Gen Z is going to look at us and go, that was a dance?
1: <laughs> You're just moving your arms around. Yeah.
0: So, And this is where I'm going to defend the younger generation. I'm going to be that old man. Everybody makes fun of the kids doing TikTok dances, but we were arenas full of people doing the Macarena.
1: Yeah. We have no legs to stand on.
0: We were doing Cotton Eye Joe, and we were doing the Macarena with arenas full of people. They Let the kids do their TikTok dances.
1: Um, In elementary school gym class, we line danced to a Breaky Heart.
0: Incredible.
1: We had a whole week in gym where we did line dancing and square dancing. And because that's really physically... exhausting you know it's a good workout doing the fucking achy brady heart
0: yeah so we had growing up in New York and I don't know if we've talked about this because this has been an obsession of mine for years there's a song called hands up
1: we've talked about this at some point because I had no idea what you were talking about
0: so there is a song called hands up it's like a Euro pop song and it goes hands up baby hands up and there is a dance for it and if you were a child in the tri state area of New York, from born between the ages of 1982 and 1994, you did this dance and sung this song, but no one else in the country has ever heard of it.
1: <laughs> Amazing.
0: And I've done extensive research into this song. It never was released in America, formally. It was never a single. And it charted in Germany.
1: Was it just like some teacher somewhere heard it and then it just like spread?
0: I don't know. My mother's theory is that someone did it on a cruise ship. Oh. Like there was like a teacher's cruise. That's my mother's working theories. There was a teacher's cruise and people did it.
1: I want to get the, I want you to do the oral history of Hands Up.
0: I would love to. I would adore doing Hands Up. The the sadly dead uh, mystery show by Starly Kine, like her podcast mystery show, which was a masterpiece until those gimlet dipshits took it away from her. Uh, I wrote in to beg her to do Hands Up right before they got canceled. And I was like, oh, man, she could have figured it out. Starly Kind could have figured it out. She
1: could figure out anything.
0: Let's get Starly Kind on the show. I love her.
1: (laughs) It's like our guest list is just people we want to talk to. It doesn't matter if they have anything to do with the subject at hand. It's just, hey, I think that person's cool.
0: Is that a bad reason to have somebody on your podcast? I don't think so.
1: But I think it's kind of silly
0: kind of great but anyway hands up so we as an experiment played it at my wedding and i hadn't talked about this with a lot of people outside like my immediate friend group you know i had talked about Mm -hmm. the hand hand because i was at uh like i was at a get together once and that's when hands up came up because i'm an idiot and i just reference things that nobody cares about and it turned into a debate of the people who had heard of hands up that grew up in new york and the people who hadn't and this what sparked this obsession of mine so at my wedding because i got married in virginia my wife and i just went like let's play it and see what happens and all of the people from new york new jersey rushed to the dance floor and everybody's like holy shit i haven't heard the song since i was like six and everyone knew the dance wow anybody who was not born and raised in the new york area during that timeline was like what the fuck is happening
1: that has got to be a bizarre thing to see from the outside.
0: And our DJ looked at us like with like a cocked eyebrow because he's like from Virginia. You know what I mean? And he I keep thinking that maybe he went to the next wedding and he's like this hands up song fucking killed. We got to play it at the next wedding. (laughs) The Macarena didn't make it to school for me. Mm. It was all hands up
1: okay. I think we might have done it at school at some point.
0: I love the concept of you line dancing to Egg Breaky Heart. Is there a video?
1: No, it was gym class. They weren't fucking recording it. This wasn't a talent show, like, performance.
0: So, uh, dear Frankie.
1: The end of the movie is, like, so Lizzie goes to Lizzie, Jerry leaves. Lizzie goes to close out the, uh, I guess, like, post office box that she had been using to, to write these letters to Frankie and she gets, and, like, the guy, the you know, the guy's like, I'll check to see if there's anything in there. And she's like, oh, there shouldn't be. Because she has she told him that his father died.
0: That his father got sick and died, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so there's this last letter from him to his dad, in quotes. And he's, you know, he has a line about how, you know, like his real dad died. And he hopes that he sees Jerry again one day. And then, yeah, it's, it's him. Like, we just did in a shot of... Lizzie like going out to find him like sitting at the end of this pier and them just sitting there together
0: she also uh grifts the dying man a little bit by having uh Frankie write a note to his sick father you know thinking you know it's the fake dad and then uh she gives it to the real dad while he's dying
1: yeah it's it's a picture that Frankie drew and then she also has a photograph of Frankie and asks the nurse to to just make sure that he sees it before he dies which is more than that dude deserves but whatever
0: yeah yeah, the ending of this movie of just the two of them sitting quietly on the dock, Frankie knowing everything his mom did for him and not being mad because he knows she did it because she loves him. And I think that's why this movie gets away with that plot. Like mm-hmm. Frankie, Frankie's okay with it. Yeah,
1: and there's no, there's no like Jerry coming back at the end or anything like that. There's this thing that you know, like maybe someday they'll see each other again because like you know his sister lives in town or best friend now and maybe he'll come back and maybe something will happen but we're not going to talk about that because that's not what our movie is.
0: No, this movie is the story of this mother and son and I think and Jerry knows that and that's what's what's great about him promoting this movie is he's very pushing that this is about the mom and the kid
1: There is a great scene when um, Frankie is talking to the, the girl in his class whose name I don't remember and he's talking about how he's never seen a picture of his dad and she's like well I'm sure your mom has one somewhere we'll find it and so Frankie like basically breaks into his mom's wardrobe and she walks in and loses it in the most heartbreaking way and part of it is she's like genuinely worried he's gonna like figure out what's going on but also she's like this kind of can't I have anything for myself and it's one of those things that is heartbreaking to hear a mother say to her child but also like yeah yeah like this woman has not had an easy life you know she ran from an abusive husband with you know like a a good kid but like that's still good doesn't matter how good your kid is that's still like incredibly hard and you know dean with her son's disability again like hard like not bad but hard and that's actually like her whole like thing has been, and also I hadn't thought about the, like how. Look, it's the wrong thing to do, but how painful that lie must be to keep up. Yeah. Both in terms of she knows that it's wrong, but also talking about how you know his great as dad is when he was an abusive piece of shit. Yeah. Emily like, Mortimer's really good.
0: She's really, really good. Yeah, this is a great little movie. I really recommend it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I was shocked. I was going into this being like, and I got to watch this stupid movie about this too I don't like kid movies. I was annoyed. I'm like, this is going to suck. And it, the, like, the premise, again, I was like, oh no, this is a bad premise. Mm-hmm. But I was won over pretty darn quickly.
0: Yeah. It's really sad that this movie kind of doesn't exist.
1: I think it exists probably more in the UK than it does here.
0: Probably. You're right. I wish it existed here though. It's good.
1: Yeah, it is. And the kid who plays Frankie is so good.
0: Yep, he's great. Everyone's great. The movie's great.
1: Zero stars for Ricky. Ricky sucks.
0: I told you, Ricky voted for Brexit.
1: He voted against Scottish Independence.
0: Yep. Uh, And I hope he's dead now.
1: And he follows J.K. Rowling on Twitter.
0: Oh, he loves J.K. Rowling. <laughs> yeah, and no, he he he's a terrible person. So, coming up in two weeks, we are here. We are talking Phantom. You're so excited.
1: I love Phantom, and I know you hate it, which is, it is. just like sugar on top
0: it's terrible it's a terrible (laughs) musical written by it's fucking awesome it's garbage and i can't wait to inevitably end up liking this movie about a (laughs) musical i hate because it's joel schumacher so it's gonna be horny as fuck
1: i mean that's why jerry's in this movie
0: yep because he's a hottie patrick wilson also a hottie it's just a couple of hotties so it's I'm gonna I think I'm gonna be in for horny phantom you can find us on twitter at fan and furious you can email us at the fan and the furious at gmail.com talk to us about jerry talk to us about uh, don't talk to us about vin diesel anymore I'm over it uh and remember to tweet at chris gethard or at diddy to <laughs> get chris gethard or diddy on the show um And if you're in the Gerard Butler gals, hi, we like you.
1: Yes, we do. We think you are great and good on you raising $25,000, like 15 years ago. I'm sure you've done other great stuff since then, but we just watched it and are you.
0: Keep doing what you're doing and we think you're grand. Yes. And until next time, dear Frankie, this is a podcast. You don't know what a podcast is. It's 2003. And I hope you are having a nice time with your friend. Because she seems nice. And make sure to punch Ricky in the dick until he cries. Love, Stephen Emily.
1: Bye. Bye.